Wonderful to see you all this morning. One of the things that uh, I often think about is, as I've seen different, different people being baptised at different ages, but I think particularly of younger people, or people that are younger than me, anyway, and I think about what, how, how the Bible says that we were formed in our mother's wombs by his hands. We're not accidents. He, he loved us and he formed us. He fashioned us and he, he had plans, good plans and purposes for all of our lives. And so one of the things I think about when I look at uh, particularly teenagers and children being baptised, I, I ask myself the question, God, who have you created them to be? And help us as a church to help them become all that was in your heart, Father, when you formed them in their mother's wombs, that they'll walk in, walk in your ways all the days of their lives and fulfill all of your good purposes. And one of the things I know is that many of you parents in this room, that's what you are praying and thinking for your children every day. There are other things you think about them as well, I'm sure. Um, you wonder how they'll ever become that um, at times because of the challenges of being a parent, so... Well, I want to uh, spend a few, few moments down the beach this morning and I want us to bring the beach here right now and uh, in your imagination. And, and I want to ask the question this morning, how would, you, how would you describe the ocean to someone that's lived their whole life in central Australia in the desert and they're blind? And they've been blind from birth. How, how would you describe for them the different shades of blue in the ocean? And, and how the waves move and, and the swells? And how would you describe that for them? And, and, and what about, how would you describe for them the smell of ocean breezes? That refreshing smell that comes off the off the ocean those gentle breezes how would you do that someone who's born blind and lived their entire life in the central desert of australia now you'd give it a good shot wouldn't you you wouldn't just go oh that's impossible couldn't do that give up and walk away you'd, you'd give it a shot wouldn't you but what you'd find is you're, you're frustrated between the where language hits walls that you can't cross because you know what you're trying to say you've seen it you've experienced it they've never seen it they've never experienced it so you're running into the walls like that and you you're probably going to have a sense of frustration I don't know if you've ever experienced that where you're trying to tell someone something that's happened or you've experienced they haven't had it and you're trying to give it to them but you run into this wall of frustration and the limits of language and what you would want is to Take your friend, your blind friend, from the desert and you'd want to bring them to the coast. And you would want them to walk with you along the beach and to feel the water and the sand under their toes. You'd want to uh, take them safely to somewhere like South Beach because they can't swim, of course, um, 
and and let them play in the water even though they can't see it they can they can feel the sensation of the water on them they can perhaps feel something of the power of the swells of the ocean if there was waves that day they're certainly going to taste its saltiness probably inadvertently and cough and splutter as they do and smell the ocean breezes with you that's what you'd want them to do but again the size and the complexity of the ocean is in in one word it's indescribable you can describe it but it's indescribable you keep hitting up against these things of language I don't know if you've ever met anyone who's never seen the ocean I had that experience a number of years ago when I was visiting Oklahoma City in the United States of America which is pretty much sort of in the middle of mainland America and I actually met a man and I was he was surprised to meet me and I was surprised to meet him and he'd never seen the ocean except in movies and so he was surprised to be talking to me who's grown up on the coast and swum in the ocean experienced the ocean he'd never ever done that and he and he actually couldn't conceive of a time he would ever do that for where he was at in his life at that moment it was a quite a shock for me i i was in disbelief because i'd never met anyone in my entire life at that point 30 plus years of being alive that had never seen the ocean i want you to keep using your imagination this morning and i want you to imagine meeting a tradesman and welcome all the tradesmen amongst us We're delighted to have you as part of New Life Church. We love tradesmen. The world wouldn't work without tradesmen. But imagine meeting an unusual tradesman who gave sight to men that are born blind. A tradesman who on one one occasion turned thousands of liters of tap water into amazing wine. you'd want to have him at your house probably a tradesman that healed a paralyzed man so that the man now walks and runs and jumps for joy imagine meeting a tradesman like that but a tradesman who was also a bit unpredictable just when you thought you had him worked out he would do he would do something or not do something that would cause you to reimagine and think do i really know this person imagine that you had a brother who got very sick and died very quickly within a short space of time and four days after your brother's funeral this tradesman came and knocked on your door and as you opened the door he looked you in the eye and said to you compassionately words like this i'm the resurrection and the life anyone who believes in me will live even after dying everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never ever die do you believe this what do you think you would say in the midst of the grief of the death of your brother it's a claim he's the resurrection and the life and people who believe in him will live even after they've died 
you've got a brother in a grave. And then he asks you if he can visit the grave. Could we go to the gravesite? And then standing by the grave, he does something you never imagined anyone would ever do. He, he yells your brother's name in a loud voice and tells him to wake up and come out. And in disbelief, your brother does. Your dead brother, dead for four days, buried for four days, comes up out of the grave. How on earth are you going to describe a man who does that to people that have never seen him, never met him, never seen him call a dead man back to life? How are you going to describe someone who's indescribable? Well, imagine a man who prophesied in advance the exact circumstances of his own death, way before it was remotely even possible, and we're not talking about someone taking their own life. He prophesied incredibly complex circumstances and public circumstances that are impossible to happen accidentally. You can't pull it off spontaneously. The circumstances are so complex, it's impossible to achieve. And this man promises you that he'll be dead for three days but then he'll come back to life never to die again what do you do with the man that says that think about someone in your life that said this to you what would you think of them you've you go well, no one's ever done that before you'd be thinking i don't believe you how can you ever how could you possibly do that You might be able to raise someone else from dead to life, but how on earth, if you're dead, are you going to be able to raise yourself back to life? How are you possibly going to be able to do that? Well, then imagine having heard him say, these are the circumstances, this is how it's going to unfold, and then watching in almost disbelief, Like that situation, it's like a slow train wreck happening. You can see where this thing is going and you're hoping against all hope it's not going to do what you think it's going to do. But here it is, it's unfolding right before your very eyes and the circumstances around which he said he would die take place and he is publicly executed and he dies. And three days later, As the sun is rising, you're on the way to visit his grave. And you're wondering what you're going to find. But you find something that you weren't expecting. You find that the grave is actually already open. And there's literally, literally nobody there. There's nobody home in this grave. You can see where the body was, but it's not there now. The body is gone. And you can imagine looking at this and your, your heart rate elevates. You, you're pulsing. You're wondering. You're confused. There's all sorts of things going through your mind. And in your confusion and all that you're processing, suddenly two men appear out of nowhere, standing beside you. Their clothes look like they are made of sunlight. The brightness is glaring. It's overwhelming. And through the light, they ask you this question which to your mind as you're trying to comprehend and process everything that's going on, they ask a question which seems unfathomable, untenable. They say, why are you looking among the dead for someone who's alive? Why are you looking among the dead 
for someone who's alive. For me, sometimes I can have a sharp tongue and I'd be thinking, well, I'd be about to say, the last time I saw him, he was very dead. That's why I'm looking for him amongst the dead, because he was dead. That's where I thought I'd find him. This is the place dead people go. I saw them put him here. He was dead. But before he can speak to this man in the light, that man speaks again and says, he isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee. Well, then your mind starts processing and going backwards. It's like Galilee. It's at the other end of the country. Remember what he told you in Galilee. What did he tell me in Galilee a long time ago? So much has happened since we left Galilee. This has been such an intense week with so much going on. I can scarcely remember. And the blazing man in light helps you. And he tells, he reminds you what you were told. He says, he told you he would be betrayed into the hands of evil men and be executed and that he would rise from the dead on the third day. Today's the third day. So here you are by a grave. It's empty. It's the third day. You're confused. You're disorientated. There's a glimmer of hope that's rising. Is this really happening? You're trying to process. Is it, am, am I having a dream? Is this real? Am I really here? It's all quite overwhelming and confusing. As you're standing by an empty grave talking to two huge glowing men. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. I haven't. And you go home. And you're wondering and you're processing and you're getting together with, with friends who knew your friend who was executed and you're, you're in your house and you've, you've you made sure the doors are locked and the windows because you've heard that the people that executed your friend are hunting for all his known associates and your name's on the list. So you want to make sure that they're not going to find you. And then in the mid, right then, right then, in that room, that the doors are locked. Suddenly your friend, your dead friend, who the men in glowing white have said is alive, he is standing in the room. Suddenly there. And it's, what's going, am I hallucinating? Am I imagining this? Are you seeing what I'm seeing? People, you're turning? And, and then your friend speaks and you, you know his voice. You, you've heard it. You've walked with him for three years. You've traveled with him. You know his voice. And he says, it's okay. I'm here now. It's really me. Come and look at my wounds. Look, look at my hands. You can, you can see where the nails were. And you can see where they stabbed me in the side with the spear. As I hung on the cross. And I can imagine this scene playing out. And so you, it's kind of like, again, is it surreal? It is. So I can imagine you gen, gingerly reach your hands out. And then you feel it, it's, it's real. He's real. And I, I can think then you've got this massive group hug going on. 
It's like all collapsing on Jesus at the same time. It really is him. He really is risen from the dead. It's happened as he said. And so that now there's this great relief, a great wave of relief washes over you and your sorrow and grief gives way to this amazing joy. It's a wave of joy that washes over you. It's a deep peace that settles you down. You take a deep breath and there's a calmness and you're no longer afraid. Jesus is with you, this one. There's no one like Jesus. He is the executed, resurrected God-man. And the question I have for us all this morning is, do you know him? Do you know this one? The one that was dead but now is alive forevermore. Do you know him? Maybe you say, well, I've heard some things about him and you've made it sound interesting this morning and I'm curious and motivated to find out more about Jesus. Well, one of the things I want to ask you to do before you leave here today, if, that's you, if that is you, and you say, I would like to know more about Jesus, would you please talk to one of our First Impression team members, the people in black with the lanyards, and say, could you please give me one of those welcome cards and one of the really special New Life pens that you give away for free so that I can fill the card in? And would you fill that card in and give it back to them and so that we can get in contact with you and, and take you on this journey of discovering more about Jesus. We'd love to do that. S.M. Lockridge is a man I never met. And um, I, I knew him for many years as S.M. I knew of his reputation and he was always, everyone called him S.M. Lockridge. And I thought, what does S.M. stand for? Because it's actually just the first two initials of his name. And then I found out it stands for something quite unbelievable. I've never heard of anyone named this before. He's... N his parents named him Shadrach, Meshach, Lockridge. Some of you know Shadrach, Meshach. They're two of Daniel's friends from the book of Daniel. So S.M. Lockridge was pastor of Calvary Baptist Church in San Diego for 40 years, from 1953 to 1993. And he preached an epic sermon, and it's called That's My King. And in this, he brilliantly expresses the reality that there really is no one like Jesus. He sums it up far better than I could ever do. And so what we've got to, to wrap up this morning is a short video clip. And uh, the audio is old. The video clip has been overlaid over that. And I want to play that to you. And the question that, and the statement that he makes is the same. Do you know him? Thank you, team. My king was born king. The Bible says he's a seven-way king. He's a king of the Jews. That's a racial king. He's a king of Israel. That's a national king. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of the ages. He's a king of heaven. He's a king of glory. He's a king of kings. And he is a lord of lords. Now that's my king. Well, I wonder if you know him. Do you know him? Don't try to mislead me. Do you know my king? David said the heavens 
declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. My king is the only one whom there no means of measure can define his limitless love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of his soulless supply. No barriers can hinder him from pouring out his blessing. Well, well, he's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's impurely powerful. And he's impartially merciful. That's my king. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He stands alone in himself. He's august. He's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's supreme. He's preeminent. Well, he's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the supreme problem in high criticism. He's a fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the cardinal necessity of spiritual religion. And that's my king. He's the miracle of the age. He's the superlative of everything good that you choose to call him. Well, he, he's the only one able to supply all of our needs simultaneously. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He starves God and he dies. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges death. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. Do you know him? Well, my king is a king of knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. He's a master of the mighty. He's a captain of the populace. He's a head of the heroes. He's a leader of the legislators. He's the overseer of the overcomers. He's the governor of governors. He's a prince of princes. He's a king of kings. And he's the lord of lords. That's my king. Yeah. Yeah. That's my king. My king. Yeah. His office is manifold. His promise is sure. His life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Well, I wish I could describe him to you, but he, he didn't describe him. He's indescribable. Yeah. He, he's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. I'm trying to tell you, the heavens of heavens cannot contain him, let alone a man explaining him. You can't get him out of your mouth. 
You can't get him off of your hands. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. That's my king. Yeah. He always has been, and he always will be. I'm talking about he had no predecessor, and he'll have no successor. There was nobody before him, and there'll be nobody after him. You can't impeach him, and he's not going to resign. That's my king. kingdom and the power and the glory all the power belongs to Marquis we around here talking about black power and white power and green power but it's God's power thine is the power and the glory we finally get prestige and honor and glory for ourselves but the glory is all his. Yes, thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever and ever. How long is that? And ever and ever and ever and ever. And when you get through with all of the forever, then amen. Didn't he put it so well? S.M. Lockridge, that's my king. We're saying to you this morning, there's no one like Jesus. And again, if you don't know Jesus, but you're curious and you'd like to know more, will you please talk to one of our First Impressions team before you leave today? Get the welcome card, get the pen, fill in the card, give the card back to them. We'll get in touch with you. You keep the pen as a gift to you from New Life Church. We're so blessed to have been together this morning celebrating the resurrection of Jesus' life, celebrating the new life that he makes available to all of us. We've celebrated the testimonies of three people baptized at the beach this morning as as an expression of that new life that they've experienced today. And we would say to you, to anyone who's here this morning, If you have never surrendered your life to Jesus, because he really is the King of Kings, the Eternal One, the Immortal One, all those things that were up on the video screen, that's really who he is. So do you think about Jesus today? Surrender your life to him today. Give it to him today. Say, Jesus, my life was created by God. It's not my own. It belongs to you. And I surrender it to you today to do all that you want, to love you, to obey you, and to worship with you.